The cost of youth soccer, the industry, has just gotten completely out of control. Why are kids on certain teams and how they found themselves there? And is it indeed the best situation for them to develop? There really seems to be a lack of inclusion. I'd love to see a club just be honest and right. say that. <laughs> right, uh, right. But you know all that BS? Forget that. We're not saying it because it doesn't matter. <laughs> We're just right. play to win. Hey, it is August 3rd, 2018, and the big personal news for me since you last heard from me is that I have now been married for 19 years, which means if my marriage were a youth soccer player, it would be aging out of the top age group, which is startling to me. Uh, Well, as Steve Miller said, time keeps on slipping, 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 uh, all to the beat of a great drum pattern. This week, uh, I'm introducing what I'm calling the Ranting Soccer Dad shorts, um, which are not things that you wear, but they are podcasts that are in fairly digestible form. Basically, the the one-hour interview isn't really doing it for me anymore, and it's not doing it for you, as I can tell from uh, some of the listener numbers. I mean, some of them do okay. And look, go back and listen to Eric Winalda and Kyle Martino and all the candidates. Uh, go back and listen to Yal Averbush. Go back and listen to Leslie Gallimore, uh, Ronnie Woodard, uh, Leslie Lawless. Listen to all these great guests that we've had. They were, were good conversations, but I think I can do something different. And so what I'm going to do is do these shorter podcasts with no guests. And then I'm going to do a series or several series, kind of like what Roger Bennett did with American Fiasco and looking at the 1998 World Cup. Uh, I'm going to take a topic, talk with several people, and then actually edit and create a piece or a series of it. So that's the basic idea, and I have three topics to tackle uh, today. First is U.S. youth soccer, second is U.S. women's soccer, and uh, a bit of a feminist take on that, and then third is a basic update on what's going on with Ranting Soccer Dad. Topic 1, U.S. Youth Soccer. This is tangentially related to a story I'm doing for The Guardian that will hopefully be out at the end of next week. not going to tell you the topic. I'll let that be a surprise. Uh, But the news is that U.S. Youth Soccer has had an election, and the incumbent lost. Uh, The incumbent was Jesse Harrell, who is... um, also on the U.S. Soccer Board, which is what the U.S. Youth Soccer Chairman typically is. There's not necessarily, and there, the funny thing is that there's been a lot of back and forth about the bylaws, um, or not even specifically the bylaws, but just common practice. And there was some confusion over whether the elected chairman of U.S. Youth Soccer is automatically on the U.S. Soccer Board, and the answer is no. In fact, the bylaws say that the youth council can choose, well, I mean, they, they could, in theory, choose anyone they wanted to, any two people. Um, so, but it, it will eventually be, most likely, you know, barring a sudden movement in which U.S. club soccer unites with a bunch of disaffected state associations, but I, I don't see that happening, at least not now. 
it will likely be that the new U.S. Youth Soccer Chairman, who's a guy named uh, Pete, I believe he told me it was Zofi. I was thinking it was Zopfi. It's spelled Z-O-P-F-I, but I believe he said Zofi. Um, I should have recorded that interview. Uh, but anyway, he is the new chairman. Uh, he has been working out of Cal North. Uh, he is also a trauma surgeon. Uh, so an interesting collection of jobs now among people who have positions of power. We have, uh, of course, uh, John Mata, uh, who will face a contested election himself with U.S. adult soccer, uh, is, a, uh, is a guy in the Dunkin' Donuts organization. Uh, then you have uh, Carlos Cordero is retired Goldman Sachs. And then you have a trauma surgeon, Pete Sophie. So he is, he is now the chairman of U.S. Youth Soccer. He will likely soon be on the board. Now, it, they could just wait until the next uh, and that's U.S. Soccer Annual General Meeting, which is when the Youth Council actually meets, and they can uh, um, they could change things up then. Uh, but it does seem more likely that there will be some mechanism, you know, a that Jesse Harrell, the president, would uh, or the outgoing chairman now of U.S. Youth Soccer, would resign and leave a spot open and the youth council would get together and vote uh now i guess the the europeans would call that an extraordinary meeting because there are ordinary meetings and an extraordinary that just makes it sound to me like it's either really exciting or perhaps better than ezra song uh, in any case uh, i talked with him a good bit this afternoon uh, he's a very interesting guy uh, of course as you would expect from being a trauma surgeon who has been working in Cal North for many years and it's hard to tell it's hard to cast things specifically as reform versus status quo I know that that's how a lot of people looked at the U.S. soccer election it's really more complicated than that and there was some undercurrent that suggested that uh, well state associations some of them were not happy that U.S. youth soccer made the decision very late the night before the election uh, for the U.S. soccer presidency. The night before, very late, I didn't even realize it till the next morning, they endorsed Carlos Cordero. So there were some people who were disaffected by that. Whether that played a role in this election in which the incumbent uh, was tossed out, it's hard to say. Uh, because it's not as if Pete Zofi was running on a uh, anti-Cordero platform by any stretch of the imagination. The, he seems to have a very positive impression uh, of Cordero, although it is early, uh, of course. And Cordero really hasn't gotten to the youth soccer part of his agenda. He did give a speech that you may have read about in which he called for a task force to get people together. And I think that that is something that's a bigger deal than people realize. I've seen some of the feedback at Soccer America saying, oh, all this guy does is create committees and task forces. Well, in this case, it's very important. And just getting these organizations in the same room and on the same side is important. Now, to some extent, that was done roughly two years ago when U.S. Youth Soccer, U.S. Club Soccer, AYSO, Say Soccer, and USSS. A, the U.S. Specialty Sports Association, uh, got together and formed the Youth Council Technical Working Group.
But the difference is that was formed in response to what U.S. soccer was doing, which was basically handing down all these mandates, some of which made sense. I mean, no one's arguing about small-sided games, uh, some of which were a little silly, such as uh, the field size requirements that uh, seemed to be based on the notion that every club in the United States had infinite amounts of land available to paint lines as they saw fit. And, of course, the birth year mandates, which maybe U.S. soccer has finally gained the message that that was a really bad idea. Um, you know, not so, if the Development Academy is already birth year. You can make various elite programs birth year. That's not an issue. To tell a bunch of kindergartners that they're either U5 or U6 and you can't play with your classmates is pretty ridiculous, and it's taken a very long time to get that message across the U.S. soccer. In fact, I'm not not sure that it's fully gotten there, but I think they've started to realize that, oh my goodness, people really are mad about this. It's not just, you know, some quack journalist <laughs> who's raising the issue with it. So what's different about what Cordero is suggesting is that now U.S. soccer will be more of an equal partner in it. And that's actually kind of a big deal uh, because there's a lot to address. It has to be addressed together. So is it very preliminary? Yes. Is it a necessary first step? Absolutely. So I think people now are cautiously optimistic that something good is going to come out of youth soccer writ large, not just U.S. youth soccer, the association, but all the different organizations I think now are going to feel that they have a better chance of being listened to, of talking. They're still not going to agree on everything, but I think that they're you're going to see more of a unified voice in the future and that they will be able to do it more directly with U.S. soccer. And if you don't think that's a big deal, well, you're just wrong. It is a big deal, and we'll see what comes of it. Topic two, and yeah, by the way, I'm going to work on those transitions. Uh, I'm using a new podcast host called Anchor. Uh, in fact, you can go to, if, if you go to Anchor and find the Ranting Soccer Dad page, you may only be able to do it on the app and not on the site. Uh, but if you go to anchor.fm or go to the Anchor site and go to Ranting Soccer Dad, uh, you can leave a voice message, and I'm going to start incorporating those into the podcast if if I get any. And it's hard to say if I'll get any because, um, again, you have to get on the on the Anchor app. I may also see if I can do that through Patreon. But anyway, that should be more for topic three. For topic two, I'm going to talk about U.S. women's soccer and feminism because. Um, this is just sort of a weird combination of events from yesterday. Uh, there was, of course, a U.S. Youth, a U.S. women's soccer game. They played Brazil. Uh, Tobin Heath did Tobin Heath things. And if you've been following me on Twitter, you know that I've been uh, beating the drum to say that she's underrated and that we don't put, put enough value on technical skills such as what she brings to the table. We're still more about the big kick and athleticism and so forth, which is not to say that, you know, other players aren't skilled. Certainly Megan Rapinoe is skilled. Alex Morgan is skilled. Crystal Dunn is skilled. But uh, what Tobin Heath brought to the table in that game is what she can do when she's at, uh, in full health. And 
able to contribute, and that is just game-breaking technical skill, which very few U.S. women's soccer players have had over the years. But that really wasn't what I wanted to talk about. It, the other thing that I saw yesterday, I finally sat down and watched the Netflix special that you've probably heard about. It's called Nanette. It's by an Australian comedian named Hannah Gadsby, who may not be a comedian much longer because she, in the special, talks about the misgivings that she has about, first of all, being self-deprecating because she's a woman, she's a lesbian, and she says she doesn't want to do self-deprecating humor anymore because she doesn't want to deprecate women and lesbians. And that's, it's understandable. Of course, she did self-deprecating humor about being an art history major, that, and it was really funny. And there were, it's an hour and five minutes, and I would say 45 minutes of it were really funny, and the other 20 minutes of it or so were scary. Uh, she detailed with some raw emotion some horrifying things that have happened to her. And she said that, you know, I can't deal with this just as a comedy bit anymore. I have to tell you the whole story. I can make part of it funny, but I can't make the whole thing funny because this it's not funny. So it was interesting. And I thought the brilliance of it was that, you know, she didn't just get up and do, you know, 30 minutes of yelling about traumatic experiences. She presented a broader uh, portrait of herself, appropriately for an art history major. She provided a portrait uh, and of being just a bright, funny, resilient, strong woman. So why is this connected to soccer? Well, it's because I saw, as usual, during a U.S. women's soccer broadcast, some sort of thing about realizing your potential through soccer. And look, in 1999, that was a revolutionary message that, hey, you can do this too. You know, women, you can come out and be, you can dream to be the next Mia Hamm or Julie Foudy or Brandi Chastain or Joy Fawcett or Brian Scurry. Uh, that, that was great. I don't know that it's necessarily run its course, but I think that we need to expand the definition of what women can aspire to be. And oddly enough, the NCAA, for all its faults, does this very well. They have those ads that say, most of us will be going professional in something other than sports. And those ads will show, you know, like a woman, usually, a, you know, like a woman of color in a lab coat. And so you see that, hey, this person is going on to be a scientist or a doctor or things from which women face barriers to entry just as they face barriers to entry in soccer. And look, those barriers are still there. One of the things that bugs me about Title IX is that a school like Georgia Tech, Georgia Institute of Technology, can be in compliance from a quota point of view because they don't have that many women in the student body. And I think isn't the goal of Title IX to get women to have those opportunities, to encourage women to go into whatever field they choose. So it's perhaps a minor complaint, but I would like to see more ads during women's soccer games that show women in other capacities, you know, that show the female scientists, that show the female doctors, you know, 
maybe there's something along the lines of hidden figures and say, hey, look, look at the contributions women have made uh, through the years. You know, it, it used to be that there weren't many good role models. Everything was, you know, a Barbie doll. Everything was a housewife. Not that there's anything wrong with being a housewife. Let's make that clear. Uh, you know, I'm a house husband, basically, and I hope there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but, you know, if you're looking for more archetypes, more aspirational role models, it shouldn't just be soccer players. Because then what happens when you go play soccer and you're not very good at it? You know, that's, that's a devastating blow. Uh, if you just say, look, you can go play soccer for fun, and if you're not any good at it, don't worry about it. There are so many other things that you can do with your life. And, you know, maybe playing soccer teaches you valuable life lessons. Maybe you stop playing soccer after a while. Maybe you decide, hey, I'm going to devote myself to other activities. Look, in our household, we have people who are focusing on other activities. Instead, you know, still playing soccer, but soccer's not the primary focus. Now, I recognize in saying this, hey, I, I'm a guy. My kids are both boys. So perhaps it's not my place to say so, but I just figured I would raise that argument for public consumption and see what people think. Ooh, I like that transition. It's kind of like the opposite of Tom Sawyer by Rush, isn't it? It's sort of, instead of doing that sweep downward, it's a sweep upward. That's kind of cool. I might use that one again. So topic three is about Ranting Soccer Dad itself. And of course, part of the changes I'm making are the podcast format change, which I've already talked about. Also, you know, there are t-shirts for sale and the feedback I've gotten on those is basically, yeah, that's really cool. All right. Yeah, I really like that. And then people aren't buying them. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to offer up a second design and this one's going to put more emphasis on the the three minivans badge. You know, the take on it's it's not three lions, it's three minivans. Because I think a lot of people were especially receptive to that. They enjoyed that. And I can understand why people wouldn't want a shirt that, you know, puts travel sucker front and center uh, on their shirts. So uh, I can understand that. And look, I've only bought... 10 of them, so <laughs> I guess I can eventually uh, clear that inventory myself. Um, but I'll probably make that second shirt available for public consumption maybe sometime early next week. I do have a ton of things in the works right now, but uh, I can't work on that. Uh, other than that, there's not too much else to report with Ranting Soccer Dad. It's, um, again, I've got so much work for The Guardian right now. You may have seen I've live blogged maybe four uh, soccer games in the past 10 days uh, that finally slows down a little bit I uh, hope you all enjoy the International Champions Cup because it is just about over so I'll be getting back to the youth soccer guides uh, basically at the beginning of the school year uh, which well here the school year starts later than most but at, at the end of August we'll say so that's the update from there those are the three topics hope you like the new format and let me know you can find me on Twitter. You can find me on the site. You can find me pretty much everywhere. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the Ranting Soccer Dad podcast using whatever podcatcher you use to find this in the first place. Could be iTunes, could be Stitcher, 
Or maybe you came in through the blog, which is RantingSoccerDad.com, where you will find all the past podcasts, along with news and analysis from the world of youth soccer and beyond. And yes, you will find the occasional rant about things. You'll also see a link to the Patreon page to support the podcast and blog and all other Ranting Soccer Dad activities. And you'll see merchandise, including the Travel Sucker t-shirt. Until next time, rant on!